Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. As always, excited to be with you all. If you have your Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter three is where we're gonna be again as we continue kind of working our way through the book. Colossians chapter three, we're gonna be in verse 12 here in, in just a moment. Colossians three. You know, uh, regardless of, of your age, um, by the way, I know it's July, but at Christmas time, uh, it can be interesting when uh, you exchange gifts. When, when, again, regardless of your age, what I mean by that is, so sometimes, no hate here, by the way, but sometimes as a young person, your grandparents get you something, especially if it's clothes. <laughs> you hear I'm going, right? And you pull out the clothes and you're like, great. <laughs> this is wonderful. And then you're not sure what to do with it or, or vice versa. I remember one time, maybe several times, I've gotten my Mimi uh, something, which is my, my mom's mom, and uh, she's opened it up, and I can tell by her face, I'm like, I don't think she's a fan. <laughs> like, there, there's just a disconnect sometimes between what we might, what you might think is nice and what the person you're giving it to might think is nice or what's their style or whatever. So I know a lot of you, you're, you're like I've been before. Let's be honest, we'll do a little poll here. How many of you um, that even maybe now you have something hanging in your closet that you know you're never gonna wear, but you keep it because somebody gave it to you? Yeah, and last week we talked about lying, okay? So, <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, maybe you're like my wife, she'll say, you know, the problem is, of course, keep in mind our family lives in Florida, but even here in Texas, she'll say, the problem is, if I take it to Goodwill, just what if they see it at Goodwill, right? <laughs> just what if they see it? Now, I, I say that because Scripture teaches us that as believers, Christ has given us new clothes to wear. I think a lot of us, we, we look at Jesus like we do our family when they give us something we're not sure what to do with it. He gives us these new clothes, these new attributes, so to speak, and we're like, oh, great. And instead of wearing them, we just put them in our closet, so to speak. Hey, here's something interesting. I think you would agree with me. Unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians in our culture, we are typically known more for what we don't do or for what we're against than what we're for. Would you agree with that? It's not necessarily a, a, a good thing to only, keyword, to only be known for what we're against. And again, there should, we should be known for like some things that we don't do. That's case in point. In chapter three, verses five to 11, Paul spent a lot of time talking about the things you don't do as a Christian. And he uses that, that language of garments, of laying aside clothes, laying aside garments. That, that's not who you are in Christ anymore. So take those old clothes, those old attributes off. So we, sh we should do that. But you know, I think it's interesting. Typically, uh, when you tell somebody you're a Baptist, they're like, oh, so you don't drink, you don't do drugs, and you don't dance. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's true, but I'll be honest, I do like to dance. <laughs> And don't lie, y'all do too. <laughs> Everybody's nodding their head, yeah. I know we're Baptists, but it's okay to cut a rug every now and then. <laughs> All right, stay on track. Okay, so we shouldn't just be knowing what we're against, but what we're actually for, like what we are in Christ. 
Again, scripture teaches, we're gonna see in a second, that we're to put on new clothes in Christ. So really, the question this morning is, what should the believer look like? What are the, again, kind of metaphorically speaking, what are the clothes that Christians should wear? Not like this is not a go to Mardell and get a WWJD t-shirt, but like characteristically, qualities, what should you wear as a believer, as a Christian? Before we look at the text, I think something that's, helpful to think and keep in mind what's going to happen this morning. You know, God, God's word is a, is a mirror. Sometimes what you expect to see in the mirror, what you, how you think you're going to look when you go to look in the mirror, and then what you actually see in the mirror, they're different, right? <laughs> like, especially after a long trip, you've been traveling overseas, and you get back to the States, you get off the airplane, you go in the restroom, and you're like, I don't even know who that person is. <laughs> like, Lord of mercy. Or uh, I text Danny. Hopefully he's okay with me saying this. I, I used it in the service, last service, so too late now. Um, but Danny always jokes, we, as pastors, like in our pastoral staff meetings, we talk about everything under the sun. And pretty often, something that comes up is the subject of health and weight and things like that. And Danny always makes the joke. Now, y'all, it was weird. I got on the scale this morning, and it said, one at a time, please. <laughs> <laughs> But even, even you, you have something in your mind that you expect when you get on the scale and then you look at it and like what you had in your mind and what is reality is sometimes different, right? I, I say all that to say often how we view ourselves, what we think we're doing as a Christian, when we compare it to the mirror or the scale of scripture, we find that we're lacking. We, we find we've got room to grow. <laughs> you don't want room to, I guess you do want room to grow on a scale too, <laughs> We, we need to get better in some areas. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna see what the clothes are that we're supposed to put on. Jesus, thank you, for, thank you for this church that loves your word. And God, we ask that, we know it's a mirror and we pray that as, as we look this morning, God, that we would um, see where we're lacking, that you would show us that areas of our lives that need to change to be more like you. I'm gonna ask you, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, to just make the simple prayer. I've led you in this before, but um, God, do anything in me you need to do in order to do everything through me you want to do. God, do anything in me you need to do in order to do everything through me you want to do. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray that you would speak to us now from your word. It's in your name we pray, amen. If you would join in verse 12 with me. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. So here's what I want to do, just kind of at the outset of this, is point out, we're going to have them on the screen, seven 
characteristics that we see here in the text, and I'm, I'm kind of combining two words uh, just for simplicities and time's sake, but seven words. I'm going to give them to you somewhat quick, quickly so you can go ahead and write them down, and then we're going to go back and unpack it a little bit further. So in talking about the Christian's clothes, our characteristics, here are the seven things. Number one, it says the Christian should be compassionate. Compassionate. Second thing, the Christian should be kind. The third, the Christian should be humble. The fourth, Christian should be patient. A fifth, the Christian should be loving. And two more, the sixth is peaceful. And the seventh is thankful. Hopefully I, I didn't do anything fancy. That's just right out of the text. I'm gonna say them again. Compassionate, kind, humble, patient, loving, peaceful, and thankful. Now, a couple questions here, or one question. Who, who is supposed to have these characteristics? Who is supposed to have these qualities? Believers, Christians, right? We're supposed to have these. Now, let me ask you. Even if we just stopped right there, which I'm not going to, sorry. <laughs> Even if we just stopped right now, is this passage incredibly relevant? Oh yeah. I, I laughed a couple times as I was preparing this message this week of like, it's, it's so needed in today's world, amen? And here, just a little insight. Uh, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I think Pastor Dave and I started working on this like outlining this series. I want to say in February, I could be wrong. It was somewhere in February, maybe late January, um, that we started outlining this series. And as hopefully, you know, we don't have the special power to like, hmm, on July 12th, here's what's going to be happening in our world. So we're going to preach that passage that day. No, we outlined it then. And it's almost like God is in control or something. <laughs> he knows what we need to hear. And more than that, when we need to hear it. It says the Christian is to be compassionate, kind, humble, patient, loving, peaceful, and thankful. I said we're going to kind of walk through it, and I want to do that. I don't want to over, again, over explain these words. But if the Christian is to be compassionate, it means we are to be caring and empathetic. So, and even sympathetic. And that, so what that means is the Christian doesn't say, oh man, you're down and you fell in that hole. Man, it looks dark down there. It looks scary. Well, it could be worse, you know. The hole could be deeper. No, that's not compassionate. Compassionate is to say, hey, I care about you. I'm willing to jump down in there with you to help you. That's to be the Christian. To be kind. And this is not just a disposition. Like, I feel like my daughter has a kind disposition. She just looks sweet. She just kind of smiles. It's not about just a disposition. It's about action. That you actually treat people with kindness. You act on their behalf. You are good toward others. I combined, I, I, I know you recognize, humility and meekness together. I know they're not the exact same, but there's similarity there. Humility and being meek. So it means that you're not overly impressed with yourself so you can focus on other people. You know, you've heard the quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, Right? You get off yourself and me, 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 and you begin to focus on other people. So you're not walking in pride, but walking in humility. So that's supposed to be the believer. And then he says, there says kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, which I would say if kindness is how we 
act toward others. Patience is how we react toward other people, right? They do something, they say something. I'm gonna choose patience, right? And he unpacks patience in verse 13. He says, it's bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. She says, you're gonna be patient. You need to bear with one another because you have been forgiven. You forgive because Jesus forgave you. Well, give me one reason I should forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know, Jesus died for you? Seems like a good reason to forgive them, right? We forgive because Jesus forgave and forgives us. And thinking about um, patience, I wanna unpack that a little more. There's a book called Necessary Endings by a man named Dr. Henry Cloud. He works with uh, Dr. John Townsend on different projects and different books. An amazing book, um, he's written several. One is called Boundaries, you may have heard of that one. But in Necessary Endings, and talking about um, the need for patience, he says, he's talking about people, not just the organizations, but he says, many personal and business failures come from this dynamic of impatience. He says, each party over-idealizes the other, blocking out the negative. So you meet someone, you go to a Sunday school, you come to a church, and you over-idealize it. This is the perfect church. By the way, we're not perfect. Good and clear there, there. This is the perfect Sunday school class. This is perfect. You over-idealize them. Then later, you sees only the negative and blocks out the positive. So then what he says, what's happen, what happens is you eventually see that they're not perfect. And what our human nature to do is, is to overemphasize the negative and only see the negative of them. Do we ever do that? Yeah, we do. He says, one or both parties become motivated to toss it all, to give it up. He says, this is not maturity. Is he right? Absolutely he's right. That's the opposite of bearing with one another and being patient. See, to bear with one another by nature is to recognize, hey, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect. We're gonna disagree sometimes and that's okay. We're gonna let each other down sometimes and I'm not surprised because there's only one person that will let, never let me down and his name is Jesus. So we're going to be patient with one another. This flies in the face of our cancel culture. You know what cancel culture is? You say one thing I don't like or disapprove of, and you're dead to me. Like, that's kind of, it sounds kind of funny, but that's how people act, aren't they, in our culture today? Like, if you don't believe me, just turn on the news. And, oh, you see what I'm talking about. Or like, get on social media. Cancel culture is not Christian culture. To say, wow, you did that? I'm done with you. That, that is not Christ. He says, be patient, bearing with one another. And then verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So love, the word he uses there is agape. So this is unconditional, action-oriented, service-oriented love. I love what Bob Goff uh, he's a Christian writer, speaker. Uh, he, he was in an interview and said that he told his daughter, he said, hey, telling his daughter this, when you are asked by a young man on a date, you need to ask him what his definition of love is. And because he's a dude, he won't know and he'll have to go home and think about it. <laughs> but when he comes back, if he says anything that doesn't sound like commitment and sacrifice, then he made it easy on you. Don't go on a date with him. 
Because love does. John Mayer, singer, songwriter, he's not a Christian, but he says, love ain't a thing, love is a verb. Amen. <laughs> love is a verb, it's action. And he says, uh, put it up, where to go, sorry. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The, the picture there, he's saying, love is not an accessory like a little pocket square to the Christian. It's not an accessory like a tie to the Christian. No, love binds it all together. The, the imagery is like an overcoat, that it, it brings the outfit, so to speak, together. If you don't have love, you're missing it, right? The Christian is to have love in their life. And it's not just a feeling, it's an action. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Does knowing Jesus give you peace? It does, absolutely. I mean, there are times where you don't feel like you have peace, for sure. Like, if you ever doubted that, man, welcome to the club. There's times where there's gonna be stress and anxiety in your life, but knowing Christ does bring an inner peace. But, now what he's talking about here. What, why do you say that? Look at the verse. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, indeed, you were called in one body. One body. So the body of believers is made up of many unique, amazing, God-created individuals, but we, are, we come together as one body. And he says, in that one body, the peace of Christ is to rule in our hearts. So as I relate to you and have relationship with you, what is not supposed to rule is selfishness and getting my way. What is to rule is the peace of Christ as one body. Are we ever gonna have disagreements as a body? For sure, right? Just to be clear, this is not ruling out disagreeing with each other. This is not to rule out seeing things differently. By the way, we can name about a million different things that we all see differently on right now, right? Because you're gonna have disagreements, but ultimately, you need to be unified in the peace and the love of Christ. Amen? Quit dividing over silly non-biblical issues and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's almost like Paul was writing this to us. It's crazy. And then he gives one more, really simple. Oh, be thankful. Be thankful. Gratitude should define the Christian life. Gratitude for God's love, his mercy, his grace, his goodness in my life. To be thankful in every aspect of my life for his provision, for his own patience in my life. So here's the question Paul says to put all these on. The question is, when people look at you, are these things what they see? Do they see these seven characteristics of, are you compassionate, kind, humble, patient, loving, peaceful, and thankful? Do they see that? And you may say, hey, bro, I see it in the text, but it's not really like who I am in my personality. It's not really to my nature. I would say, Two things to that. One, you're right. That's why Paul says, hey, put these on. Just like putting on your clothes in the morning. Appreciate y'all being intentional about this morning. Good job, way to go. Just like putting on your clothes is an intentional act that takes some effort and a little bit of thought. Putting on clothes in Christ, that takes some effort. By nature, we gravitate towards the opposite of these seven things. That's why he says, it wouldn't be in scripture if we just automatically did it. He says, do it. 
So the first thing is, you're right, you don't naturally gravitate toward that. It takes intentionality. But the second thing is, is this. If you are a believer, if you know Christ, you can't say, well, that's just not who I am because Jesus has given you, excuse me, he has given you these clothes to put on. Jesus went to the mall for you, paid cash in his blood and got you these new clothes. So I can't say, well, it's just not who I am. No, Jesus says, no, the clothes are hanging in your closet. Go get them. Quit being lazy. So where are you getting that from? Man, verse 12, I intentionally kind of held off on that till now. He says in verse 12, put on then, and here's the key, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then again, he lists those seven things. So I'm to do outward action of putting on these clothes based on inward identity. Tracking? Outward action of these seven things based on inward identity, that I am God's chosen one. So I'm not gonna do these things so maybe God will love me, I'll get on God's good side. No, I'm doing these things out of the fact that God loved me and chose me, that he saved me by his grace, not by works lest I should boast, but by his grace. He didn't choose me because I was had it together or knew some Bible knowledge or because you were cute. No, he saved you because he's a good, gracious, saving God, amen? He says, put on the, remember who you are, you're God's chosen ones, you're holy and beloved. So in Christ, you know him, you are set apart. So it means to be holy, you're set apart and you are loved, you are beloved. So from your identity in Christ, put on these things. Again, it's outward action based on inward identity. My kids can help us with this thought a little bit. At the, at the breakfast table often, we get to the table and pretty quickly, our, little, our twins are two now, or two and a half, something like that. Um, something like that. <laughs> Dad life. <laughs> and pretty quickly, Carolina Tate will say, put my clothes on, put my clothes on, put my clothes on. To which her brother Haddon responds with, PJs, PJs, PJs. <laughs> the backstory there is Carolina Tate, um, she, she's a little too big for it now, but she has this pink dress that has sequins uh, and has tulle all around the bottom. So she calls it, as you might guess, her princess dress. Everything is print. We went to Bahama Bucks yesterday. She wants princess flavor. Everything is princess. Well, uh, the thing is that dress is a really thick cotton that has long sleeves. It was made for winter. Well, when it's 107 degrees outside, you don't want your daughter wearing that around to play outside, right? So we had this conundrum of like, man, she wants to wear that every day, but if she wears it every day, she's gonna pass out, and that's just gross to wear it every single day. So what are we gonna do? So don't judge me. Maybe this is lying, I don't know. But we, we told her that because she is a princess, all her clothes are princess clothes. Now, the unfortunate thing is that worked for about two months. She's starting to catch on. <laughs> now we get her clothes out and she's like, princess clothes. <laughs> she, she knows what's up. Um, but while, when it was working really well, what would happen is even if it was just a pair of like gym shorts and an old stained t-shirt, because in her mind, she was princess, those are now princess clothes, she wanted to get changed. Bubba Haddon did not want to get his clothes on because he wanted to be lazy and lounge around the house in his comfortable PJs. I'm not judging him for that. <laughs> but he wanted to be cozy and comfortable while Carolina Tate, she wanted her clothes to reflect who she believes she is because her daddy told her so. And, I, and like, I apologize in advance if you see her in the hallway and she says, I princess, because <laughs> she probably will do that. But she wants to put her clothes on based on who she believes herself to be. 
That's what Paul's saying. If you know Christ as a man, you are a prince, you are a child of the king. If you know Christ as a woman, you are a daughter, a princess of the king. So your clothes should reflect that. Put your clothes on. Don't be lazy. Oh, I want to lounge in my old PJs and just chill out. No, put your clothes on. Reflect who you are in Christ. Uh, I think if I could say that the big idea of this sermon, of, of really of this text more importantly, is that if you know Christ, you should begin to look like Christ. The big idea is that if you know Jesus, you should begin to look like Jesus. Now, if I could speak to the men for a second, if you're out there and you're thinking, I don't know, man, it sounds kind of unmanly, like compassionate, loving, peaceful, humble. That's not manly. I would say, I would challenge you really to go and read the life of Jesus. There's no more manly man than Jesus, amen? And I think we'll have no qualms about that when he comes back on a white horse and a sword. As one professor said, if you're not covered in his blood, there'll be a day that he is covered in yours. He will bring judgment. He's not a wuss. I would encourage you to read the life of Paul. Read the life, his Paul in, sorry, read about his life in the book of Acts. This was not a sissy man. So these are not sissy men telling us, oh, be kind, be loving. No, these are godly, manly men saying, be kind, be patient, be humble. That doesn't mean you can't be manly. Makes you think about uh, missionary, uh, sorry, John G. Patton. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, New Hebrides in the 1800s. And from the, really from the day he got there, the cannibals there, the cannibals would chase him and threaten him with attacking him. And not just that, hey, we're going to kill you. They would say, we're going to kill you. Then we're going to roast your flesh and we're going to eat you. Yeah, ooh, gross, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and John G. Patton stayed there you can't be a wimp and stay there, right? More than that, he, he showed them the love and compassion of Christ. One time, they, uh, the cannibals had surround, a tribe, there's different tribes there on the, on the islands. They surrounded, by the way, his uh, autobiography is pretty amazing. John G. Patton, missionary to the New Hebrides um, is what it's called. But he, uh, one night, this tribe had surrounded him. He knew he was fixing to die. Like he could hear the drums beating, like he, he's fixing to be died and eaten. Uh, be killed, I mean, sorry. And uh, be died. English is hard. So he prays to the Lord, God, you gotta, uh, either you're gonna protect me or I'm gonna die, but I'm willing to stay here and minister to these people again because he's patient and compassionate, but also very manly. You know what he did? I love it. He walked out into the, he walked out of his, his house, his hut, to the middle of this tribe. They surrounded him, ready to kill him. And you know what he told him? I love it. He didn't threaten them. He didn't say, when my country, my kinsmen get here, they're going to kill you. He said, you people have been so inhospitable from the time I got here. <laughs> Y'all have been so unkind to me. He unpacked that a little more and they actually apologized to him. And in that very conversation, they said, you know what? If you want, we'll kill other people for you. And he was like, oh, you're not getting the point. Like, you're not getting it. Why do I share all that? Being compassionate and kind and humble and patient does not mean that you can't be a man. Amen? Frankly, we need more men and women who look like this. These characteristics. I'm, I'm afraid that too often the world looks at believers and rather 
than seeing that we are compassionate. They see that we are careless, meaning you could care less about that person, so you are careless with your words. Rather than seeing kind, kindness, they see that we are mean. Rather than seeing humility and meekness, they see proud, pride and selfishness. Rather than seeing patience, they see impatience. They see frustration, unforgiveness. Rather than seeing loving, they see hate. Rather than seeing peace, they see disagreements. Rather than seeing gratitude, they see disappointment, critical spirits. May that not be true of Southcrest Baptist Church. When the world looks at us, may they see compassion, kindness, humility, patience, love, peace, thankfulness, gratitude. Again, when people look at your life, what do they see? Do they see your new clothes or your old clothes? couple quick little stories to help us think through this as, as we begin to wind down. I'm going to assume if you're a believer watching online or here in the room that, that you would agree, hey, I, I want to live those things out. I want to put on my new clothes. I, I want to live that way. A couple ways to maybe help us think about that. I, I used to go to, uh, I don't go as much for some reason, I used to go to J&B Coffee Shop a lot, the coffee shop down by Tech, kind of near a Tech Terrace. And uh, on Tuesday mornings for a while, there, there was, it was like clockwork for a while. On Tuesday mornings, there were three elderly gentlemen that would come into the coffee shop. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't mean this mean at all. It was kind of cute. It was kind of funny. But when they came in, it was, it was a process. Like <laughs> for three reasons or two reasons. One, they were just slow. <laughs> And, and I'm not being hateful there. Hear me out. They, they were just walked really slow. And two, by golly, they talked to everybody. They talk, they, these, are, these are older men. And they're talking to everybody in the coffee shop. Doesn't matter how young the college student was, they were going to talk to them. And uh, I know you shouldn't do this, but I got in the habit of, of listening to their conversations. <laughs> and you'll understand why in a second. I, I wouldn't say I was eavesdropping. We were in the small back room and often it was just me and those three men having their little coffee get together. And so uh, I didn't almost have a choice but to hear their conversation. But to let you in on kind of just their personalities, um, Marvin was, uh, yeah, make sure I get his age right. Marvin was 90 years old um, at the time that I'm speaking of. And uh, one morning they were, the three men were talking about how it can be painful getting old. It's not fun getting old. And uh, not, Marvin said, you know, <laughs> sometimes I catch myself staring at a pretty girl and I can't remember why I'm looking at her. <laughs> now you know why I like to listen to him, right? Um, one time they were talking and uh, talking about history. I think they were even talking about some of the wars they had fought in and even talking about where they saw our country today. And Marvin asked one of the other men across from him, he said, I can't remember his name, but he said, how old are you? And the man said, 81. And Marvin said, what am I doing eating breakfast with a young kid like you? <laughs> he, he was just a fun guy. You can see that, that had a good personality. Personalities, all three of them. But what was really cool is to every now and then catch little like tidbits of their conversation and to hear them talking about Jesus. 90 years old, and he's talking about Jesus. And not just, I went to church yesterday. He's talking about what God's doing in his life. He's they're, they're talking about how they, they're seeing God work in their families. And then I begin to wonder, like, like how, how at 90 years old, is he not grumpy and just mad at the world? He, 
he loves Jesus. And, and more than that, in addition to that, he per, Marvin permeated these things. I think you could tell that just from kind of me describing him. He permeated compassion, kindness, humility, patience, love, peacefulness, thankfulness. And then one day I think I, I got a clue as to how, how he permeated those things. One day as they were talking, as smooth as it could be, it was not awkward, it was not braggadocious, Marvin just started quoting scripture in the middle of their conversation. I felt like the Lord kind of touched my heart. Marvin is the way he is because he spends time with me. Amen? He knows the word. Marvin permeated these attributes because he spends time with Jesus. To quote my, my brother-in-law, Blake Appleby, he says, the world needs less Christians who spend time on Facebook and more Christians who spend time with their face in the book. Amen? How different would our world be if we began to spend more time with Jesus through prayer and in the word rather than just on social media or grappling about whatever's going on? To unpack that one kind of final way, uh, th- this is a, I don't know what you'd actually call it. It's a wood cedar plank to, to grill on. If you ever put fish on it on the grill, you should try it out. Um, so yeah, you, you can put salmon on That's what we normally do. It's been a while uh, at the 11 o'clock crowd. They're gonna be getting hungry when I start talking about this. But maybe, maybe it, we're Texans. We're like cow, amen. Anyways, <laughs> beef beats a fish every time. Anyways. <laughs> You put the salmon on, or whatever you're cooking with, I'd do salmon on here, and you put it on over the open flame, over on the grill grate right there. If I don't, if I just put it on, if I just put the fish on there, put the wood over the grill grate, over the fire, what's gonna happen? It's gonna catch on fire, and then we're going to Chick-fil-A unless it's Sunday, right? <laughs> so it actually says on the instructions here, it says soak plank up to one hour. So you can, by the way, you can, you can cheat and do it for like 30 minutes. It still works. But you're supposed to soak the wood plank in water and then put it over the open flame. And here's what's really cool. If you do that, if you follow those instructions, like again, for us, normally salmon on here, put it over the grill. Man, it's amazing what happens. Seriously, I don't want to like over-exaggerate this. I'm prone to exaggeration but, uh, or getting excited about things. But when, when you do that, even just as it's grilling, man, there's this amazing, so I like to use charcoal grill, but you don't just get the charcoal smell, then you get this, this cedar smell, and it smells really good. And what's cool is then when you take it off and you go to eat your salmon, man, that cedar scent and that taste permeates the fish. And it, just take my word for it, it tastes really good, okay? But it, it permeates, and even, even the house, you can say, when you bring in this, the salmon, it's, it's, you can smell, man, th- this made a difference. If you just try to put on your new clothes without soaking in time with Jesus, spending time in the word, and you go out into the world, the world's fires are gonna burn your clothes off real quick. <laughs> and nobody wants to see that. <laughs> and many of us have, tr- have been there before. I'm gonna be a loving, I'm gonna be compassionate. And we go out and try to do it on our own and we get nowhere. But friends, when we soak in time with Jesus, the prayer and spending time in the word, then when we go out and we experience, and for sure we will, we experience the fires of the world rather than it burning us up, our lives begin to permeate the scent and the taste and the flavor of the goodness of Jesus Christ.
the world begins to experience the beauty, the wonder, the goodness of compassion and kindness and humility and patience and love and peace and thankfulness. They're going to say, there's something different about you. You can say, hey, I've been spending time with Jesus. If you know Jesus, you should begin to look like Jesus. It's time to put our clothes on, amen? May we permeate our world. As we close, I want to ask you to consider three things. You don't have to bow your head or close your eyes. I want you to consider these three things. And maybe as God stirs your heart, then you can do whatever you need to do to spend time with him through prayer or putting your clothes in your eyes and focus on whatever it may be. But um, three, three things to consider as our pastors come down front and we have uh, get ready for a time of song. Three questions. The first one is, would people hear you say you're a Christian, read this passage, and then be confused. Would people hear you say you're a Christian, read this passage, and then say, I'm a little confused? If so, perhaps there's some repentance necessary for our lives. Amen? Maybe when you get some old clothes, we need to get out of the closet and go grab our new ones. Second thing I want you to consider and talk to the Lord about is how will you be intentional about putting on your new clothes this week. So really, maybe the question there is, how are you gonna <laughs> permeate yourself and soak yourself in your relationship with the Lord so that you can begin to permeate him this week and these characteristics? How are you gonna be intentional about this week? Again, like we said earlier, you don't just automatically wake up with your clothes for the day on. You have to be intentional about putting them on. The third thing is, do you have new clothes? Do you have new clothes? If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never turned from your sin and turned to Jesus, then you don't have new clothes. Putting them on is then not an option. You can have new clothes this morning. You can be able to put on these attributes if you will turn to Jesus this morning. He made it possible for you to come to him to living a perfect life, dying the death that you and I deserve. Then he rose again three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave forever. And if you will turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, say, Jesus, I, want, I confess I need you. I believe that you are the Savior and the God of the universe. Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. You can turn to him with that simple prayer this morning. And he is calling you to himself. He's inviting you to come to him this morning. If you're gonna do that this morning, I would invite you, if you're watching online, to, to click that connect button or shoot us a message on Facebook so we can walk this road with you. Maybe this morning, if you made that prayer, maybe you just, God's working in your life. As soon as we're done singing in a moment after the service, these pastors will be down front and would love to pray with you, love to answer any questions you may have about what God is doing in your life. I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer. Then we're gonna sing just a little bit of a song and we'd invite you to, to respond, to come talk to these men after the service. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for forgiving us. God, may we reflect your greatness, your goodness, not our own small kingdoms that are a joke. May our lives permeate your compassion, your love, your goodness, your peace, your humility.
to come and save us. God, we love you. We're grateful for how you speak to us. We're grateful for the fact that you give us an opportunity to respond to you. Jesus, I pray that as we sing this last little song that you would maybe just drive home what you need to in our lives. God, that we would have boldness to respond even when the service is over. Same with Jesus that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.